Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. My name's Catherine Carr, and this is Relatively the podcast all about potentially the longest relationships of your life. Hello, bro. You what? I'm all right, you what? You what? You what? I'll be bringing siblings together to talk about the connections they have as adults, as well as what it was like growing up together. In this episode, we're talking to the actress Julie Fernandez. My name's Julie Fernandez, and I'm Rab Fernandez's little skin and blister. And her brother, Rab. My name is Rab Fernandez, and I'm Julie Fernandez's big brother. He used to call her Julie Fanaka Pants. Fanaka Pants, of course. Yes, it's the Fernandez Fanaka Pants. You couldn't write it. Honestly, if I sat down and told you all the different stories, you're like, you're making this up. And I'm like, I'm really not. But I'll also talk to them separately to get a more private take on the relationship. I think I always had this niggling expectancy, I think, of myself that I would need to look after her I would be the one that would need to make sure she was okay and you know I'd been going three times where I couldn't even look after myself I just feel sad sometimes that he didn't get the attention I think he deserved and needed he was really clever had both my parents had more time and energy to invest in him I think that would have been really helpful Brothers and sisters are never straightforward. Julie was born with brittle bones, a disease which had a huge impact on her and Rab's childhood. At 17, she moved to Spain to act in the soap opera El Dorado and start her clubbing career in earnest. She and Rab, who have different mums, are now really close, but their dad's larger-than-life character meant their early lives were chaotic and often unhappy. We talk about that ill-advised go-karting and the princes of Abu Dhabi. But Rab started by describing Julie's arrival in an episode recorded with added atmosphere. Yeah, I suppose the first thing I remember about her was how tiny she was. We were living in a in quite a big house. We had quite a big dog, Dougal the Great Dane. We had a big car and then Julie turns up and she was absolutely diddy and very, very fragile. And what was that like as a big brother? Because as siblings, often when the new baby arrives, the first thing the parents do is kind of plonk it on your lap for a cuddle. Well, that didn't really happen. You know, parents made it very clear to me right from the off that I wasn't to pick her up or, you know, give her cuddles or... I didn't know any different. I just thought that's the way it's supposed to be. I have had about 100 fractures-ish and about 60 or 70 surgeries-ish. And that really dominated my childhood and his childhood. So when she had all these operations and things, she must have then, what, been in plaster? 
yeah plaster traction sometimes it would just be one leg something called a, a spiker plaster so that would be all the way around her waist or midriff all the way down one leg so yeah it must have been so frustrating for her just to kind of be in that sort of condition not really being able to get out and explore and you know she didn't really have a lot of friends coming around to see her sort of thing well, I think it must have been very lonely for Julie. And did you feel left out, Julie? Um, not on purpose, but it was frustrating because I, you know, I, I'd have loved to have gone out and played and done a bit of rough and tumble. It could be quite boring just recovering and watching TV, but it it was what it was, and you just got to get on with it, really. I think that's probably where some of the bossiness came into it. I think she liked to. Uh, get me to do things for her so she could kind of maybe cling on to me a bit longer maybe it's what everyone tells me I was like <laughs> that's a brittle bone thing as well you can be quite vocal <laughs> and bossy and I think that's partly because you just can't physically get there or do it and the only way that you can communicate is in being bossy and <laughs> he was so patient he really was and it must have been so difficult for him you know, I remember I didn't really particularly want to stay in and play with dollies. I had a bike I wanted to get on and go around exploring and hanging out with new friends of mine. He must have felt so stuck in the middle, you know, living with the guilt of, yeah, but if I go out, then Julie's going to be on her own. And that's, that's also something I struggle with because I never wish that on anyone. And I think that's an awful lot of pressure to put on um, a non-disabled sibling. Do you remember any times when you did sort of maybe against best advice go out and... Oh, all the time. <laughs> what about the go-kart? <gasps> go-kart. We must tell you about the go-kart. Go on, Rad. We were living in Germany at the time in a village on top of a like hill or mountain. Or it was a bit of a plateau, really. It's called Klein Ingersheim. And it was lovely. It was very picturesque and... And it had like a waterfall coming out of it as well. And from our house down to this hairpin bend where this waterfall was, you know, we called that... Dead Man's Hill. Dead Man's Hill. And, but yeah, so um, we um, turned around to Dad and said, yeah, can we go out in the go-kart, please? He was like, yeah, yeah, fine, yeah. Mum wasn't in at the time, though, was she? Do you think Mum would have said, over my dead body? Oh, highly likely. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> we were on it together at the same time. Julie was seated, you know, in the seat. I was kind of haunched on the back and, yeah, we decided to go down Dead Man's Hill. We're heading towards the hairpin bend and it was so loud and noisy. So, like The plastic wheels were like vibrating and the brake was just not working and, and we'd like turn and, I don't know, it's almost like we did the wall of death around these railings. You know, it's like, like we, <laughs> but we managed to stay on the cliff, if you like. So that was that was pretty good. But then Julie turned around and was like, oh, my, my, my foot doesn't feel quite right. I think I've fetched it, Dad. Then he said, rest up a bit. And we did. And then we got bored. So we said, could we go out again? And he said, yeah. So we went back out. And then I broke my other ankle. And then we went home and said, oh, Dad, I broke my other ankle. He's like, whatever you do, don't tell your mother. <laughs> you both broke yeah. ankles. One more. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so the question there must be, was the wall of death yeah. worth it? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Is there an element of nobody else would possibly understand yes. a lot of your childhood? 
Rab has been through so many of the operations with me and I don't have to explain, he just knows how to deal with that situation. Although, bless him, he can't do too well with blood. Remember when I woke up from the first spine operation? Yeah, you had your spine surgery, hadn't you? And I went to see you. Once you come out of the operating theatre, I was just kind of sitting there thinking of what you'd just been through and, you know, the procedure, I'll spare you all the details of, and you just opened your eyes and obviously saw the, the look on my face. Green. And... <laughs> so he was asked if I was all right. I was like, oh, my God, she's just gone through surgery and she's asking me if I'm all right. I mean, yeah, didn't deal with it too well then. And, you know, it used to upset me seeing you like that. I suppose it would, wouldn't it? It upset me seeing you like that. Yeah. Were you very good at expressing those sorts of feelings, Rab, as a younger boy and teenager? No. No, I don't think so. I think maybe I was trying to ignore it, really, more than anything else. And how did your parents cope with it? Mm, well, it seemed to be different at different times because our circumstances changed. We moved around quite a lot. I think by the time Julie was three, she'd already moved four times or three times. And my dad had ants in his pants and we were always going off doing different things, trying different ventures. Our childhood was, yeah, could be a little bit difficult at times, but partly because of the disability and how much it dominated our family life, partly because our parents were quite intense, tricky people. They could be quite angry at times and um, I think it was difficult for both Rab and I as children to know how to navigate that kind of a situation. Why did you move around so much? You said your dad had ants in his pants. Oh, yeah, well, well, my dad, he'd lived a life, really. You know, he grew up in the East End of London during the Second World War and he was an apprentice jockey, he was in the Merchant Navy, the RAF Regiment. He was part of a cabaret act on a ship. He you know, approached the patrol borders of Israel because of his like skills that he had, because of horse riding and familiarity with weapons. I believe he was in the Congo and he was helping like families escape the regime there. He was a black cab driver. He worked in a zoological society, capturing animals for animal husbandry. He worked with snakes. He was extracting venom from snakes for research. He had a part share in a clinic in Harley Street at one time. He was selling wigs. He was selling insurance. He had a chauffeur firm. He was a courier car salesman, photo portraits he used to sell, so yeah, he, I don't oh know, he just had ants in his pants, I mean, you know. Is he a bit of a wheeler dealer? Very much so, yeah, very much so, yeah. In the kind of East End tradition? In a kind of East End tradition, yeah. When you say tense, intense parents, do you mean it was an unhappy I... household or...? I think, honestly, I think yes. My dad, or our dad, was a Jewish East End gangster. My mother, who is actually Rab's stepmum, uh, she brought him up since he was three years old. They were quite complicated people that were quite angry and there was always arguments and I was always the one having to hide under the kitchen table. I used to go around on this little thing called a trolley that would sit close to the floor that had wheels on it and I would bum shuffle everywhere so he would scarper into one room and I would scarper to under the kitchen table because that was the safest place to be. 
Were there blows landed? Is that why you needed to be under a table? Yes, at times. Um, there were the occasional blows. There was lots of shouting and screaming. But, it, I mean, it wasn't always bad. Our dad had a brilliant sense of humour. But equally, he could flip. He could be OK one minute and for whatever reason, he could be very much not OK the next minute. And you just had to be relatively guarded and to know when he was going to turn. The image of a, a dinky little person with brittle bones shuffling out of danger makes me feel frightened for your fragility in that situation. Um, I was quite lucky in that I, I was safe. There wasn't anything that happened to me in that context. I was never hit or slapped or any of those things. So I was always out of the way of that danger. I mean, he had a very volatile nature. I mean, he definitely had a temper on him and and the punishments they were pretty severe like what oh like smacking um used to stamp on my toys to break them um yeah that sort of thing so and did you you obviously loved him did you look up to him and did you learn to be like him oh well yeah i mean yeah, I mean, he was my world, he was my hero. I mean, you know, there was so much. I mean, all these tales, all these adventures. We used to sit there and watch Jacques Cousteau together and, you know, he was in the RAF regiment. He was like a bit of a hero to me. You know, he'd done all these amazing things and had all these amazing stories. Yeah, of course I looked up to him, you know, and I wanted to be like him, I think. Do you know what? I think about that often and I think it must have been so hard on him because Bridget, our mum, was always at the hospital with me so he was often left at home with Dad and I guess they built that strong relationship together because they had to spend so much time together. Mm. Uh, And I struggle with it in terms of that too much attention was on me and not enough on him. What do you mean you struggle with it? I just, you know, as you get older, I I don't have kids, Rab does, and I know how much energy it takes to to have children and to give them the attention that they need to blossom. And I'm not sure Rab got the attention he needed to blossom in a way that he should have done. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen 
premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When I talked to Rab, he talked about his relationship with your dad mm. and how much he idolized him. Did you see that as a child? Um, I'm not sure I did, actually. I mean, I know that he idolised him, and, and and I can't blame him because he was a really interesting character, Barney. He Honestly, he could keep a whole room entertained. He was brilliantly funny. His brain worked in in the most extraordinary way. He was always, like, five steps ahead of everyone else. Unfortunately, it was usually something that was dodgy or illegal or but I, I could totally understand why Rab would feel that about him because it, he was quite exciting at those times as well he was a, a funny crazy scary man to be around and idolizing somebody who has a temper like that mm. was that a problem in the way that you ended up a little bit or could you separate the good from the bad well <laughs> I suppose when I was like 20, 21, I think I was kind of hanging around with the wrong sort, really. And I don't know, they were like basically a football hooligan element and I was kind of hanging around with them a little bit. I think it was kind of flirting around with that danger and I don't know, maybe... I wouldn't say I was like looking for trouble or anything like that, but, you know, I managed to get... <laughs> Well, I managed to get myself stabbed at the time, which wasn't which wasn't great. Yeah, they kind of woke me up a little bit, but and then so I oh, sorry. Where was she when you were going a little bit? Am I allowed to say off the rails? Yeah, I suppose you could say off the rails, but you know I didn't really see it like that at the time. But yeah, Julie was in boarding school, so I didn't have very much contact with her. Things between the family had like, really deteriorated between like, mum and dad and, you know, as these things do. Had they split up, do you mean? Yeah, so they probably split up a couple of years earlier. It kind of came to a head. My dad went for my mum. Um, what do you mean? Sorry, what do you mean he went for her? <clears throat> well, he basically had a knife and he basically chased up the stairs and... Yeah, I didn't know this at the time. But he turned around and said, look, you're my son. You know, I've cared for you all my life. You can stay here, but I'd like you to come with me. Things between me and Bridget weren't good. You know, and I idolised my dad. And for me, it was quite quite an easy decision at the time. And Julie wasn't there. She was a bit outside, out of mind. We'd grown quite apart by now anyway he talked a bit about when he was a teenager and he got involved with some naughtier boys where you were living at the time and I asked him whether you were aware or said anything to him about it <laughs> what did he say <laughs> he seemed to sort of imply that perhaps he didn't know the full extent but I, I feel like you might have been a bit wiser than that um I probably didn't know all of it 
I certainly knew quite a bit of it and as I got older and as he got a little bit older there were conversations that he and I had where I was like you know bro you can't keep doing this you cannot live the rest of your life looking over your shoulder you're going to have a wife one day you're going to have children one day you don't want to turn into Barney you don't want that you don't want that for your kids because you know how stressful it is for us keep away did he listen um I think eventually he did I think he had a bit of a aha moment that I'm so grateful for because it really could have turned quite different. Having Barney as the person you look up to probably wasn't the most (laughs) wisest of choices. Funny, exciting, strange, yes, but not necessarily the wisest choices. So I'm kind of glad he realised that he wanted to be a better father to his children than Barney was to us. Yeah, he said he got stabbed at one point. He did, yeah, he got stabbed, yeah. When you look back on your childhood and this kind of, in my mind, when it's been described by Rab and by you, it sounds like technicolour and almost like cinema. You're moving around countries, your dad's doing 50,000 things, you know, you're in and out of hospital. It's like scenes after scenes after scenes flick through my mind when you describe it. You couldn't write it. Honestly, if I sat down and told you all the different stories, you're like, you're making this up. And I'm like, I'm really not... Our our childhood and our life has been crazy bonkers funny all at the same time. Barney was friends with the Craze and Mad Frankie Fraser and, you know, all of that lot. And there's been all sorts of stories and apparently guns stashed down sofas and all sorts of stuff over the years. Yeah, so he basically kicked me out when uh, I think I was about 21, 22. I was in a a situation where I literally just had the clothes on my back and one sock. Not even a pair of socks, it was just one sock. We tried a a few times to kind of reconcile and, you know, it got to a point where it was just... Well, I felt, and I think Julie felt, he was trying to manipulate her in a way or he's treated in a way that we just weren't happy with and so we you know distanced ourselves from him are you angry with him for the chaos the older i got and i i really started looking into personalities and why people behave the way they do i think barney was a product of his childhood and i think bridget was a product of her childhood both of them had really tricky childhoods for one reason or another and i think that created something in them that was quite angry um so no i really don't think there should be any blame put anywhere to be honest with you they coped with their childhood the best they could and that's how they dealt with it do you feel the same about you and rab you are the products of your childhood and you've dealt with it the best that you could yeah but i think rab and i made the active choice not to be like them well, not to be the negative parts of them, but to be the positive parts of them. We we both made the choice that we wanted to move forward in a positive way, not in an illegal way, not in a shouty, angry way. We wanted to do things differently. And I'm so grateful that we both made that choice. In the end, you've been really loyal to his good points. Both of you have taken great pains to kind of paint a really full picture of a 360 degrees person. Is it fair to say that in the end he did let you down? 
Um, he might have been getting desperate. He looked after his mum into old age, and I think he was kind of putting that sort of mindset onto me. And I was going through a time where, as I said, I couldn't even look after myself, let alone Julie or anybody else. So he hadn't put anything aside. He had money a few times, but, you know, he was very generous and always spent it. So he didn't really have much of a nest egg. And I think he was getting a little bit worried, a little bit concerned, and was making him act in ways that he probably regretted in the end. We've got, I've got to tell you just one story. So this is typical Barney. One of his madcap kind of business ideas for a few years was a chauffeur business. So he had a couple of limos. And he, he got the contract to look after some royalty. Where, where were they from, Rab, the princes? Oh, it was the, it was the crown princes of uh, Abu Dhabi. <laughs> right. So it was, Rab got on really well with them and often would go and say, what was it, the Ritz or the Dorchester or something? What was it? Uh, yeah, they'd be all over. I think it was the Grosvenor or, you know, it's in and out of all the hotels there. You know. Rab would go and stay with them. And then one day they decided, the princes, who were around the age of 11 and 18, that they wanted to see where their friend Rab lived. Barney called Bridget and said, oh, they all want to come over. But the thing is, you and Julia have to stay in a different room. And she's like, well, when in Rome... I'm not being chucked out of my own ass. <laughs> so in trundled, the two princes looking beautiful in a white dinner jacket and trousers, and they had the court muller, the court jester. In full garb. And two bodyguards with the big guns strapped over their body. In they marched into our little council, council ass in Essex, had a cup of tea, and um, we had a tiny little garden and a little shed in the garden, and they wanted to have a go on Rab's bike. So we got the, we got it out of the shed, but the, the garden was so small, so they couldn't really wheel about on it. So um, they decided to go around the council estate, <laughs> having a go on Rab's bike, with the court muller, the jester, and everyone, and the bodyguards running behind them whilst they were in the most beautiful dinner jackets. But that was just an afternoon in the Fernandez household. <laughs> So, so when, given that you're obviously close now, when did you become friends again? Proper friends? I mean, things changed massively when she was working out in Spain, working on El Dorado. A week before my 18th birthday, I flew out to Spain and uh, he joined me for a little while, which was just amazing. I'm sure she saw that as an opportunity to kind of build our relationship up again. Yeah, I thought... This could be good. This could be an opportunity. This could be something we need to do. Boarding school was strict. Our parents were strict. Uh, and then I could do what I liked, really, <laughs> in terms of as long as you turn up sober and you know your lines. So I got into clubbing and I absolutely loved it. She picked me up from the airport. It was at night, actually. It was a night flight. I think I got there around about midnight, something like that. We picked him up from the airport and instead of going straight home, we went straight back to the club, left his suitcase in the car and we must have got in about seven, eight that, that morning then and I think that set the deal really. <laughs> wow, did not see that coming. You know, I, the last time I saw Julie, I think she had like a, uh, a school fringe with her hair pulled back into a ponytail, she had glasses, she, you know, she looked quite prudish really and they're... 
there she was telling me we're going clubbing. I went, <laughs> I was like, in Spain. <laughs> in Spain, and there she was. I mean, she was different. It's like completely different. And I was thinking, my God, when did she grow up? And you know, and it was amazing. It was incredible to. Sorry. Take your time. Yeah. Sorry, gonna need a moment. Yeah, and it was incredible seeing her there in, in the club. Dancing, interacting with people in a way that I hadn't seen before. She was enjoying herself. She was. It was just an incredible moment. At that moment, I think I realised that she was going to be okay. She was going to be okay. I think I always had this niggling expectancy, I think, of myself that I would need to look after her. I would be the one that would need to make sure she was okay. And, you know, I'd been going three times where I couldn't even look after myself, let alone, let alone Julie. And just to see her there, it was yeah, incredible, absolutely incredible. Mm. And how, how does he treat you now? I mean, he described the moment that you picked him up and you went clubbing and he kind of saw you with new eyes, this new identity that you were carving out for yourself as an adult. So he was able to feel a sense of relief that you were going to be okay and you were managing, more than managing, you were flourishing. So now as adults, both having made those right choices, how does he see and treat you in that you're still vulnerable in certain ways? He's protective. So it's it's finding the balance between not being too protective and not being not enough protective so I think that must be quite hard for him but he also knows I'm a pretty strong character if not physically then mentally emotionally and I think that probably helps him to know that I'll be all right you know she's incredible really I mean you think about the obstacles she's had to overcome in her life and she's fragile in a physical sense and you know she's fragile mentally sometimes I suppose but outwardly she puts on a very very strong persona I think she's had to do that to get where she wants to get to really. It sounds to me when you describe your family your mum and your dad your stepmom and yourself that between the four of you you've lived about a hundred lifetimes and it sounds like Julie seems almost like quite the stable, consistent person with one one sort of identity in one lifetime compared to you guys. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, she was basically the glue, really. She was the glue, you know. Because of all the changes that we had, there was very little consistency, you know, all the moves and everything. And, yeah, you've... Hitting the nail on the head. Absolutely. Oh, really? Bless him. I'd say he was the glue. He was the strong one, I think. What do you mean? Rab's the type of guy that you don't mess around with. He's straight talking. He tells it as it is. But he's he's also really safe. You know, there's not many people I feel really completely safe around. But Rab, I absolutely do. 
And what could you do to really wind her up? Oh, this is easy. This is easy. Dad's nose. That was one of a kind. And occasionally I'll, I'll stop and just have a little look at Julie and saying, Jules, you're definitely getting Dad's nose. <laughs> so mean. <laughs> yeah, but that's what big brothers are for, no? Probably talk about his language. <laughs> it's like he said, it's not winder, it's window. <laughs> that used to wind him up. Although I don't know why I used to say that. Because, you know, we lived on a council estate in Hainal in Essex. We, there was nothing posh about us. <laughs> it's not water, it's water. And here we still are. Thank you to Rab and to Julie. Thank you too to Tanita Tickerham, who let us use this amazing song. Sound design is by Nick Carter at Mixonics and digital production by Charlotte Griffiths. Thank you too for listening. Next week, it's the baker Bryony May and her brothers Ben and Max. We talk about community, starting big school and growing up too fast. If you want to see some really sweet pictures of Julie and Rab or find out more about the podcast, head to relativelypodcast.com. of love and hate Stand by the fireside Now the rain may fall Your father's calling you You still feel safe inside Only your ma's too proud Your brother's ignoring you You still feel safe inside Oh, was it solo? Was it yesterday? Was it true for you? Cause while all the rest Have taken time It's didn't Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.